Hi, welcome to Content Kettle. This podcast is all about marketing, where we'll be speaking with CEOs and founders of brands across the globe and marketers who rolled up their sleeves to get their businesses out there and turn them into a success. With each having taken a different path to grow their business, they have what we call actual actionables on marketing and they're spilling the tea with us, or maybe even having one. I'm Manishika, the founder of Contensify, a content marketing agency that works with startups to help them establish their presence online. I'll be hosting this podcast with my team to bring you only real marketing tips from those who've done it all. Feel free to reach out to us at any given time if you have more questions or would like to learn more about a specific tactic. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, Mahima, welcome to Content Kettle. It's really amazing to have you here with us today. Thank you so much, Manchika. Likewise. Well, to all our listeners out there, Mahima is the co-founder of Boo Botanicals, a skincare brand that focuses on unlocking the power of the earth's naturally occurring minerals in its products. Before we get into discussing your brand and your marketing efforts that you've been making so far, would you like to tell us a little about yourself and the brand? Um, so, well, um, I am a very new entrepreneur and before this I was uh, teaching at gyms. So I was teaching, I was teaching as an associate professor there um, and my primary subjects always revolved around marketing and personality development and things like that. Uh, as far as my education is concerned, I am a postgraduate uh, from Core School of Management. So yeah, that's about it. And um, then uh, who happened and now I think I'm uh, all in all entrepreneur and a mom to who. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So what was your motivation behind starting Boo? I mean, was it because uh, you found a market gap and you thought that this needed to be addressed or was it something that stemmed out of your personal interest? I was never sure or I actually never wanted to kind of have a brand of my own but I think it pretty much happened because of my personal struggle uh, with uh, you know kind of when I wanted to kind of have something for me I, I was looking for all organic and natural substitutes because pretty much that's how it's been in our home the nanimas and the dadimas secrets to you know uh, all the things that they've been doing so I was looking for natural concoctions everywhere Mm-hmm. And when I looked at the market, I thought that either they were products which are like really in the name of organic or they were brands which were like really inexpensive in the name of organic. So I just I just couldn't understand where, in, um, where can I settle in in terms of choosing the products for my own self. So that is when the idea of who struck in that, uh, you know, why not have a brand which can emote luxury? purity and at the same time be affordable uh, to the middle class out there so who is uh, luxury for the middle class is what we say it's an affordable luxury to everyone out there so that is when who came into my mind and that is how we thought of having who like on a professional front so it almost stemmed like from your personal experiences per se when you were looking for something similar so totally totally yeah so would you say that bringing luxury to the middle class is actually the vision and mission behind the brand or is it something uh, beyond that as well? Yes, I mean, I mean, not just luxury. I mean, we wanted to give them like real products and we never over promised. So we wanted to kind of give them a reality uh, product which would actually do what it says. So we would only promise to the extent it can actually help. Uh, so we wanted to kind of be a pure and honest brand, as I always say, and uh, still be affordable to everyone uh, who cannot really afford like a face scrub for maybe you know uh, 2000 bucks or something and still wants to put some real thing on his or her face so yeah i mean the quality and the purity of the product has to be prime and a luxury or any other thing comes as a you know as a substitute to it so Mm-hmm. So actually, I had come across your brand uh, via YouTube ad that you guys were running. So it's pretty much similar to what you're saying right now that you wanted it to come across as something that's for everybody. So do you think that video marketing has in general, you know, kind of enabled you to put your message across that this is, hey, this is what we are offering to you? See, totally, Manchika, totally. The, the business model that we're in, when you're kind of trying to sell your product to the internet, and especially a product which is like a high involvement product, I mean, uh, in skincare, people really want to see what actually goes in that jar. 
so they want to see and experience the red velvet to smell it they when they're not able to touch it i think video is the only way you can try and make them understand uh, this is what it is uh, is there in the 50 gram jar so the texture the look and the feel of the product and how you going to apply it how it's going to work for you i think video marketing is the easiest way you can kind of communicate with the consumers so yes it's got a long way to go i believe so when you started with video marketing this is just out of curiosity right was it always that professional or did you initially you know kind of create something which was more on your own and then you know you just put it out there just to see how people respond to it uh so entrepreneurs like us you know are always short of money i'll be very honest and we try all sorts of uh, tricks from here and there so the model who's in the ad is like a friend and the location oh, wow. is like a near uh, a park where i actually used to go to jog so i still remember setting up the entire thing and you know our neighborhood uncles coming in and pouring in questions like what is it i finding free samples and this and that and the struggles which came along with it um we only hired a professional videographer because uh, we didn't really kind of have a first hand experience of videography but yeah i mean everything was kind of arranged and but the outcome came out nice so i believe that every, i mean there's no harm also you know in kind of trying to do something we didn't really want to shoot indoors with a, like a professional model who would have like a great skin neither could be afford her you know so both ways i mean yeah a lot of things were arranged and we did a lot of on our own in fact to to this day uh, we do a lot of things on our own yeah i have seen a couple of brands wherein you know the founder the co-founder are essentially the models and the photographers and the videographers uh-huh. uh, yeah, yeah. i'm sure you must have seen right i think it's a sari brand and both of them are actually the faces practically everywhere i believe they just have models now i think right i think that's that's really good so from your experience do you feel that that video or putting your face out there essentially you know giving your brand a face is important right at the beginning for brands like uh, that are in healthcare maybe wellness and skincare um i think um to any brand um they could be in any field or any vertical it's very important to give give it your face i mean that notion of like a model face and you know like having a celebrity on the brand as a brand face is kind of diluting now because everyone wants to kind of see the real you i mean the real person who's behind the you know the scene i think they connect with you more and um, in the beginning to be really honest i was a little shy and i didn't really want to come in the front but surprisingly when i made my debut to instagram or to social media because i was wanting to answer some questions that we were constantly getting poured in Mm-hmm. so i realized that uh, people welcome you now i mean they don't really judge you for the kind of uh, uh, demeanor you have so they don't really then i mean i mean i think nobody is like uh, looking for like a really perfect perfect you so a brand has to have a face because then this then this then only a consumer starts to associate uh, the brand with i mean its identity i would say yeah since you mentioned instagram and instagram yes is very very visual driven do you think instagram has played a big role in your marketing strategy so far or to put out your uh, branding in general it's played the biggest role i would say uh, so our business model comprises a lot of instagram so we do a lot of sponsored ads and we also do a lot of affiliate programs on instagram because of which is given us a lot of visibility and because of in- affiliate programs uh, we also started customizing skincare schedules for people so we start getting uh, started getting a lot of messages uh, for our skincare queries so every day i think uh, my team is handling somewhere close to 200 questions or queries and customizing schedules so i think it's given us uh, edge big time Mm-hmm. but don't platform. you yeah. but don't you think that the competition on instagram is like increasing by the day because i think more or less uh, any conversation that i've had uh, a lot of people come around and then they ask that hey it's a slower growth graph you know and there's too much competition around the same hashtags with their creators of course their content creators and then their other brands how are you making sure that you stand out because they are not quality and being true what we we've, uh, we've been doing uh, so on instagram i get messages like you're the most uh, honest brand we've come across because a lot of times we give a no for an answer so people are asking for products but we say no i mean it's not going to work for you so okay so don't buy it and a lot of times people want to buy like a combo of four products but we tell them see i, I would say you first only go with two and then you try more so i think 
if your product is effective and if you're honest to your audience it works and um, i do i think uh, the pandemic has kind of given an edge to all the players who are out there selling online and it's given an edge to us also uh, although nobody would have wished for such an edge but yeah but for us instagram has grown like crazy and it's all organic following that you've been getting so um right. i don't know about others but i i believe that if you be true to what you're doing and you're actually delivering a quality product it, it works i mean the word spreads so do you think that uh, you know kind of focusing on customer engagement is actually very important because you did mention that you speak to your followers you know you speak to people who actually have queries because skincare is again something very personal and everybody has concerns like i am someone who has major concerns over whatever little that i'm making use of right and i want answers before i actually make but there's a lot of anxiety when i'm making that purchase so you're focusing on it from day one from yeah kind of day one only i mean we didn't really know if uh, we'd be getting the kind of response that we're getting now but we've always wanted to help everyone who's messaged us so there's not even a single message in my instagram chat which is not answered right now so um we answer each and everybody also because this uh, vertical is like this industry is very very high involvement i mean it's not like a packet of chips you are bored of trying one and then you just you know kind of pop in the other one so that's not how it works it's about somebody's face it's about a lot of people have wedding in like 15 days and they trust us so we we are we're responsible to answer them and make customized schedules for them even oily skin not the same across uh, all people so engage skincare without consumer engagement is i don't know how it works i mean i only know mm-hmm. one way you talk to the consumer and you tell them yeah mm-hmm. no that that does make sense because unless you're speaking to them you wouldn't quite know whether your product is going to help them and in the end it could end up being such a bad experience that gets you bad word of mouth but that mm-hmm. actually correlates to another very important thing so since skincare and cosmetics in general as an industry has really massively grown ever since like i think last year because everyone's now focusing on you know bettering themselves like the skin taking care of their skin which they probably couldn't when they were stepping out so much um there's a lot of competition there is there are a lot of options available to anyone who's looking for any kind of solution out there so how do you reach out to these people i mean uh, like for example when i started to look for you know solutions for my acne i actually went to a dermatologist now the dermatologist obviously told me the way standardized uh, you know things like okay use seba use this so there were very specific brands but over time i started to explore things on my own once i understood that okay hey these are the ingredients that i really need to use and then i started looking for alternatives which were like better than seba or had better reviews but it was a very long process for me to even come across certain brands and find my footing so how do you reach people like me then so like you mentioned it very correctly manjuka that consumers are more aware than ever now and you know um reaching out to the consumer in a market which is flooded with products uh, and actually most of them are playing with ingredients now because the consumer knows what's a salicylic acid what's a hyaluronic acid or what's a mm-hmm. how you treat a acne on a dry skin or an oily skin so even if you just suggest them something they just won't buy it because you are saying so they would want to know what are the ingredients and a lot of people are doing that they even mentioning the percentages of uh, the actives that they are putting in the product so mm-hmm. i think the the way one way to reach out to them is kind of uh, going on the marketplaces because marketplaces have more visibility uh, in comparison to your own pages so um so marketplaces like we are present on amazon and insta uh, and flipkart and snapdeal and paytm all as well now so um uh, marketplaces i think give you more visibility uh, if you're out there so in terms of uh, telling people that see i am also there and you can kind of come and you know check us out um this is one platform and then as i told you earlier affiliate programs also give you a lot of visibility yeah but to to be able to make your own uh, move there to be able to stand out in the crowd you've got to offer something that nobody else is offering so some of our products are a little different from uh, what the competitors are offering so we are we're trying our hands on some innovative products like uh, a like a lip gel or like a two in one scrub wash so we call it the scrosh and instead of under eye creams we are offering under eye roll ons which are easier to apply and um, you know products like that so yes we are trying to get get, get there 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned how, you know, being there on marketplaces is really a strategy to get in front of people. Uh, do you think that is an important aspect for anyone who's trying to sell online? Because I, you're actually pretty much right. For me, my first reflex is to go to Amazon, search for something. If I don't find it, then it's, you know, back to search engines and then looking for individual stores. You know, but, 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 yeah. but I do choose Amazon first for reliability's sake, I would say. True, true. So we're present on Amazon and you won't believe, Anshika, that uh, for some products, the prices on, we, we are pricing higher on Amazon and as compared to our own website, like maybe 30 bucks higher, but still sells mm-hmm. from Amazon sometimes and not from our own website because wow. people are ready to pay that price for uh, the trust that they have in Amazon, which is uh, totally understandable because I myself as a consumer would do the same. Also, when I go on Instagram, I do not go with an intention to purchase something. I usually go to check out my friend's profile and you know the fee that's coming on my uh, page or whatever i mean i never go there with an intent that i'm going to see an ad and oh so wow and i'm going to buy something and when you actually go on amazon there's always an intention to purchase so mm-hmm. i mean amazon is a platform to sell instagram and all these kind of all the social media kind of adopted that so uh, the the presence on marketplaces is indispensable i mean you just can't do uh, without them but do you think that it also impacts the, in your case, you mentioned that you priced your product slightly higher over there. Uh, but do you think in general, does it impact the revenue and the profits that your brand would otherwise, you know, kind of gain if people just bought from your online store? Yes, yes, yes. They, it does. Because uh, you end up paying commissions to the marketplaces because, uh, mm-hmm. and you, you also end up advertising. So a big chunk from uh, what, what your revenue actually goes into paying those kind of commissions. And and then there are plans like uh, uh, fulfilled by Amazon and FBA and all these things. So wherein you kind of store your products in their own inventory houses. So if you opt for that, then you also got to pay for the, you know, the storage and the transportation, oh, which okay. uh, so, so you end up kind of losing sometimes instead of earning something. But mm-hmm. still, everyone's present out there because uh, when you're sure of your product, when you're sure of the repeat buy, you always feel that once I have a good consumer group, um, they are, maybe they're going to come back and at that time they're going to buy from my website and not from Amazon maybe. Um, yeah. But sometimes so people are bleeding money uh, on Amazon and all the other marketplaces. Yeah, because I've I've pre- primarily heard this that you know the wider they go, the more losses they incur in in terms of you know how much revenue they're really you know generating over in year. Uh, but that's the hesitance that I've seen mostly with a lot of people, and they take their own sweet time to actually start selling across all channels. So another question that I actually had was, when do you know it's time to sell on other channels other than your own website? Because getting a website up and running these days is not really a very difficult task. So even if I have like about five to six products, I can start selling online, but not really make a sale because I will have to drive that traffic to the store. So when do you think that, you know, I should start investing in channels rather than just, you know, pumping in money into ads? Yeah, so I was, I was, we were very short since the very beginning. My husband is into pharmaceuticals, and we, we, he, he was already selling a lot of products on Amazon. So we always knew that market without marketplaces, we stand nowhere. However, we were a smaller team, and we were only able to um, have a limited amount of time, and uh, we, we had to put it into everything, right, from the product development to the branding and to the you know marketing and store management content and everything was done by us so in the beginning we tried to divert our energies to uh, facebook and instagram ads and sponsored ads and uh, i would say about three months back we kind of started full-fledged with amazon and um, yeah we're still trying to learn i would not say that we're doing great at amazon but i think that not everybody is bleeding money on amazon there are a lot of people who are earning really good so the strategy is to learn amazon marketing and then you know invest in uh, uh, the right way the the, the 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 key here is to understand what people are looking for and then kind of making good listings and keywords and like the technicalities of Amazon marketing. So that's like a whole course in itself. It's like a mm-hmm. whole school of uh, a course uh, that, that's that's there. So yes, three months is what I would say we've been trying to kind of get a grip on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So when you say that you, you're focusing a lot on the marketing aspect of things, you know, and you initially were as well, 
were you doing it yourself or did you have someone uh, you know did you outsource it or did you hire somebody for dedicated marketing across any of the platforms for that matter so we hired uh, an agency in the beginning and we realized after like 6 months of their work that despite our repeated communication to them they were not really able to justify what we were looking for the messages were looking very fake and not really from the heart and um, a lot of things and a lot of communication was going a little haywire so we thought that we have to have a team in our office uh, who works directly with us and directly under our guidance you always outsource stuff in because you, you don't have the money to hire like a team of three people so it's always easier to outsource and that is uh, i mean uh, they, they're not going to dedicate their full time work to you so yeah so uh, that so that's when we decided about 6 months later that we have to have our own team in order to be sending the right message across um and uh, to be able to do the kind of communication we wanted to do so i think after that things were pretty aligned and we are pretty much on the same uh, route mm-hmm. i think that has a lot to do with branding so would you say that the branding aspect of things when you formed the brand and then you formed the vision and the mission that was kind of not in sync with what the agency was essentially trying to promote kind of yeah i mean uh, a lot of things were kind of yeah miscommunicated maybe or maybe the way the pictures and everything in the creatives were presented were not really kind of uh, satisfying us or probably me so yeah got it okay so would you say that branding uh, has a big impact on how people perceive your brand and eventually choose to buy from it or not oh yeah totally i mean branding uh, gives identity to a lifeless brand i mean it give it it puts life in it so you got to create an image of your brand in front of your consumer if if you think about who today you close your eyes the kind of a uh, picture that you make of who has to make the biggest impact in you purchasing from who or not even purchasing from who i mean you should know what for who who is so it that image can't change every day and the mm. image has to stand for what who is so the kind of colors the kind of message messages that go across and all they all have to be in sync i mean mm-hmm. so branding has got everything to do i believe if you want to stay on the market however there are players who have very aggressive marketing strategies who just want to crash the market come in they they want to sell like a like maybe someone lack or two lakh pieces of a product and then they want to go away uh, maybe they don't want the people to remember who you were maybe for them it works so i'm not saying which strategy is right and which is wrong but with who we are here to stay and the the strategies have to be uh, really long term and it has to be remembered as a name or as a person to a, uh, to a consumer so branding is like the utmost important thing did you have like your branding in place before you launched or was it after you launched the products and saw how the market was responding to it uh we were very, no no we were very sure of what we were and uh, what we wanted to uh, you know communicate and uh, we have always stuck to uh, the initial notion of what who was and it's not changed so we've changed some products we've sometimes seen some ingredients or something but the core message has remained the same always so we always we are not really trying to provide very old age solutions we always say that we uh, provide ayurveda or you know uh, nature with backed by science so a lot of our products have active ingredients uh, which actually come from a lot of research papers and all and um, that's what who is so it's been pretty much the same yeah mm-hmm. got it okay because we do have uh, you're absolutely right there are brands out there with aggressive marketing and advertising budgets that just go all out but then when you come down to their branding right you don't quite remember the names because you make a purchase once and then there's a huge mm. recall issue because you don't know who you bought from because you may have seen an ad somewhere bought the product and then totally forgotten i think that's happened with me with a lot of home decor brands particularly yeah. where and i saw something really nice and i was like yeah i'm going to buy from them and then when somebody even asked me where i bought it from i was like um i'm kind of not sure so my recall was absolutely pathetic when it came to you know you know remembering that brand and no matter how good it was no matter how good that product has lasted me really okay so uh another thing that i wanted to ask there are so many marketing channels out there 
right right now and deciding which one you want to be on or to focus on because spreading yourself thin is not really an option when you're starting out like for example even with Conan Kettle uh, initially my focus was only to start recording the episodes and let the traffic come in organically and then i started focusing on hey no i need to be on instagram because most merchants are there and they're trying to learn from people you know because their business pages their inspiration pages so i said no we need to start nailing this so we've kept our efforts very very streamlined for instance to only instagram and uh, we have a linkedin page but at the same time it's slower than instagram as compared to instagram because our focus yeah. lies here so do you think that's mm-hmm. important in the beginning like as a brand and which of these channels do you say is right now the thing to be present on i completely agree with you that you know once you start with everything together or even one or two things i mean you because you can only kind of focus on like um, a certain number of things unless you've got like a really big team who's handling each and every channel for you so pretty much happened uh, with us also that uh, we i think even to the, to this day we are more focused on our fbn instead the social media ads as i would say and that would be pretty pretty clear with the, the way i speak also however the presence on marketplaces is indispensable we can't leave it but i think apps is going to be the future of selling because Uh, everyone wants everything uh, you know in the form of an app so you right away click on the app and kind of the app opens and then you kind of just search through it because on marketplace you still have to struggle to find and to get the, uh, get to the product page you're actually looking at so and affiliate programs is also something uh, it could be on social media or it could be offline affiliate programs is something that you really cannot do without because the kind of impact these kind of people have on the consumer is immense uh, for you to you know be getting the visibility now a purchase decision is totally on the consumer whether he wants to come and listen to your podcast or whether he wants to come to my store and buy a product is totally his decision but to be able to tell him that see we're out there um, it's important it's really crucial how do you decide what channel you need to be on so there is one thing where i've seen most brands uh, are like hey so and so is doing this i need to do it too so and so is on instagram i need to do it too you know they're creating more reels let's do that uh, it's a lot about the copy paste scenario i would say not realizing that maybe your goals are different maybe your target audience is different but you're just ending up doing the same thing so how do you recommend that brands should decide what they need to do in terms of marketing it the marketing strategy kind of depends upon your business model yeah. uh, however um, i would be lying if i say that we not look at our competitors and the strategies that they've adopted <laughs> but i think we've adopted them mindfully i mean uh, things which you we wish could go with who is i mean so if someone's kind of selling doing like a major haul on amazon uh, for a festive time or something that's where we picked up things from i mean yes we, even we've done that because being new players on the industry we learn from what others are doing but if not Not just simply try to copy and paste everything uh, into um, our own this thing because it has to go with the format of who. Mm-hmm. So, so essentially, uh, your branding becomes your buffer. Yes, I mean, of course, I think for all the brands, branding kind of differentiates who you are from others. So yeah, got it. So just a follow-up question on the same. Uh, you look at brands for inspiration on marketing then you also look at brands that hey they're doing this they're launching so and so product they're launching a variation of so and so product pretty rapidly uh because i think i've seen like remember when essential oil suddenly picked up lately they were a thing in the market yeah. but then now they've become yeah. super rage right now there's so many brands doing it but now there are also right. brands coming up with more variations of essential oils that i've never in my life seen you know and and they are in different forms as it's a spray sometimes it's in an incense bottle sometimes it's a mini perfume yeah. and yeah. you know variations so as a brand how do you know that you know because there's a lot of competition so do you ever feel like insecure or that you feel that hey no we need to compete with so and so brand uh, how much does it really impact your own decisions what's happening around you um sometimes uh, when there's something that you really that you see some that's really good um it intimidates you for a while and then probably you also want to dive in uh, and you know try to want to kind of take a plunge and see like what it might feel like but then you need to hold your horses i feel and kind of um, need to see whether that is something that's going to 
uh, you know kind of make a difference to your audience so as you mentioned essential oils i think everyone's selling them and essential oils are pretty much organic and that's kind of the only thing you that you really get in an organic uh, manner so if everyone's selling them why who i mean we, yeah, we at who we've always tried to provide solutions which were a little different like uh, if you look at our products you would see that there's an anti acne gel and then there's a scrotch there's an under eye roll on and then there's a uh, oil free moisturizer pretty much only made for people who have very oily and very sweaty skin so we've always tried to be innovative and different uh, with our products but we always keep an eye on who's you know who's launching what and what's happening in the market and some products really look very good and to be very honest here if they're making them really good and if they're really 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 nice then why should i be the number 2 i mean why not be the number 1 and something else uh so if i would be intimidated by anybody i would have launched my hair care products anytime soon because we keep getting flooded with questions all the time if if in skin care then why not in hair care but, but you know till the time i really get enthused with what i am making uh i would not want to have it on the store so we we get intimidated sometimes but that's not something we immediately adopt and kind of put in because we don't want to do that kind of work we always uh, are always intention behind this has always been to uh, try to make a difference in the industry and i think uh, that's how people see us so i would want to maintain that image got it you also mentioned that you get a lot of requests from customers you know and i've personally first hand seen certain cases where we are answering to a couple of queries uh, on the behalf of a brand and it's usually like hey you no know, we do not have these products at the moment you know because yeah, yeah. make it sound yeah. a little better uh, how much do you think that customer feedback should impact a founders or a co-founders decision on what goes on onto the brand front you know what products you're going to sell uh, i know that customer feedback is important but at the same time not all feedback is really great for business directions so when do you know you should listen to them and when do you know that no this is not the right time so we always have our set percentages of uh, you know feedback so it's like uh, if it is in like the bottom uh, like 0.5% we kind of try to understand that it the product might not have suited a certain skin because not every product can suit every skin type so we mm-hmm. always want to cater to the majority if we would have wanted to cater to the very niches then probably i would be making a product nobody else is making and i would cater only to the niche so sometimes people come with us uh, with a problem that's like really really uh, intense like hyperpigmented skin and extremely deep and very old sort of pigmentation and we are doing that, that that's not something that that can be treated with our product but the person still tried to put on the product and kind of it didn't help that person mm-hmm. so we know our uh, so we know our limitations you know so we know that what's going to work on what so still a certain percentage we understand that probably could not have worked but if uh, the benchmark is crossed then i feel that for any brand out there it's definitely a point of big concern because ultimately your and again depends upon your strategy if you want to repeat uh, sell to a consumer then of course you have to take in the customer's uh, feedback really really seriously but if you are out there to crash the market and just sell something uh, which like come like a fad and just you just want to kind of sell it once then it's like okay maybe because then you're not really bothered with what the consumer is thinking but for brands like us who want to be there to actually thrive on your on the repeat customer rate it's, it's very very critical yeah so and we've also made a lot of i'm saying we've also made a lot of decisions uh, based on our consumer uh, feedback in fact i don't know if uh, any brand would have done that uh, done that really often but people have given us feedback that you know this this they said that uh, the scrub is very grainy and we were looking for a milder version so we kind of made a milder version with a wash and then uh, we were given feedback on our packaging like they uh, there was one packaging that people were finding really inconvenient to use so we kind of discarded the entire packaging in one go and moved on to the other packaging and these kind of changes we've always done we've always updated according to our consumers and probably that is why they connect with us so much because we listen to them and people want to be heard true true that, okay so yeah because i have honestly heard this quite a lot wherein consumers are coming up with their own set of demands and it becomes really hard for the brand to keep up because they launch with let's say five products that they want to first dominate the market with and then move on to the next set of products but the consumers are already expecting it you know so they're like they move faster so you don't yeah. say that that should be a strategy unless and until it's you just want to go into the market acquire it and then move out 
um i know that's like that's like okay a brand can do that but not just only uh, basis uh, the consumer uh, feedback or demand because you should be in the capacity to produce what they're asking for so mm-hmm. if they're asking for a product which got a, got like a 30% uh, vitamin c concentration i might have the raw material but if i know that that's that's not going to be right for an everyday application without a medical supervisor's uh, supervision i don't want to make a product and sell it out there to burn people's skin so mm-hmm. even we st- i who started with just five products uh, you just mentioned and uh, then we kind of increased our portfolio to about 17 products which we have now but uh, it it went on gradually it was mm-hmm. a mix of consumer feedback and what we thought that we would be in a capacity to make so i think it's got to be a ma- an amalgamation of uh, both the things understood also the fact that uh we are a generation that will first look up for solutions on search engines find answers to practically everything even if it's a headache uh so how do you address information hungry people like us i remember you mentioned in one of your answers that you know content was something that you guys were focusing a lot on and honestly i have not seen too many d to c brands really focus on the content marketing aspect of things they're on social media yes but i don't see them take an education first approach do you think that's important especially like in your industry i think it's really important nowadays everyone knows what they're putting and you know um can brands know their craft but they got to tell it to the consumers as well so communication is really important you could be, you could be doing anything but unless it's communicated to, to them they they would not know and um there are a lot of uh, information hungry consumers and after the like the right to information and everything uh, more than ever now but we answer we keep answering till the time that person is not satisfied you want believe but sometimes we exchange like 25 messages in a row and we just keep answering yeah i think we we, we don't know other way i mean if a consumer is asking you something you got to answer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if uh, yeah if you are liable to answer them yeah so we mm-hmm. we keep doing that yeah Mm-hmm. So let's say I am a brand that's wanting to start in a similar industry, right? And uh, I'm looking at how exactly should I be really marketing myself out there? What are the top five things in your experience that one should start with? You know, when it when it comes to marketing, because let's say maybe the product is made, you have an online store, but now it's time to take it to the market. So what are those two, top five things on top of your mind? i think once you you got to know uh, you know what you are selling will be the first thing you have to have trust in your own product i mean you should know why you are selling this because unless you are very sure of uh, why you wanting to sell which also includes a me too product so if you are selling mm-hmm. a, a thing which is which is something which out there in the market and everyone's everyone else is also selling which is also okay because people have their own strategies but then you know that if you are selling a product which is which everyone else is selling for about 10 bucks you can't sell it for an 11 because nobody is going to pay you that price so you've got to know your product that's the first thing or uh, that's the first rule i feel then you got to know like how you're going to sell it so deciding on a certain business model is very crucial whether you want to have affiliates on your panel whether you just want to go organic if you're going to have have only organic sales how are you going to drive that traffic do you have that kind of social network on your own or um where are you going to go on marketplaces who is going to do the marketing for you the third thing is you've got to know the kind of budgets that you have because it's really important i've seen a lot of people just put in money like crazy and underestimate and overestimating the rois and you know and then they go all in and everything is suddenly you know all finished in one day so you've mm-hmm. got to know the kind of money that you can burn in creating that brand and how, for how long will that money survive you so if you've got like a total of 20 lakhs to burn you've got to see for how long uh you want to take to to burn that money so uh, there are brands i know who, who do like marketing of 20 lakh in a month but if that's not what you are ready for you you've got to estimate uh you know your this thing i think the fourth is it it would not really be in any particular order so to say the you've got to have uh, you know uh, you've got to be very clear of your pricing as i it's kind of overlapping with the first point and uh, you you should know uh, what you are selling and at what price would it sell and the fifth thing is that you have to know your consumer who you want to sell that product with booth uh, we never target uh, people which are uh, you know we do not really 
as per our own this thing try to target people uh, women who are above 55 years of age because uh, if i like really try to sell a soap to my mom she would want to really be very sure of the pricing that is that it has and price would be a key uh, you know um, what would i say parameter for her to be before she actually makes a decision so we are selling body wash for uh, somewhere close to 700 bucks so i i don't think my mom's going to buy it ever from the market she's going to say that oh i'm going to buy maybe like, like you know some 10 soaps in that kind of price so so you've got to know who your customers are and uh, who who are you, who you are selling to if you have these things sorted i think a lot a lot of other things will follow and then you'll learn on on the go Mm-hmm. from those five tips one uh, question that you know maybe you would have observed i'm sure you've seen a lot of brands come up and then die completely die like they disappear from the market altogether yeah. what are some of the mistakes or what's that one mistake that you see these brands make more often than not i think people don't research and they just dive in so uh, for some it works also but i think for most of them it doesn't work because they don't know what they are selling they uh, they kind of overestimated their own product they didn't have uh, their budgets set up they didn't know how to spend so having a huge budget is not what i'm uh, suggesting but whatever money you have you've got to spend it wisely so you have to have a right team and a one man army i feel doesn't work so you've got to have a team which specializes into you know different arenas of your vertical so you've got to have a team and you've got to know uh, your capabilities and your limitations things that you're not capable of doing so putting your hand into anything and everything is i think doesn't work that way so i think people have just tried to copy from somebody else and just tried to put everything in at once and it doesn't work that way true true and it feels like that as well sometimes when you're interacting with the newer brands you feel that hey they haven't researched enough or you know they don't know enough for you to trust them as such so that has been the case uh, across a few there's one more thing that i wanted to ask and this is something that me as an entrepreneur for example uh, whenever i'm looking at other people you know whenever that i'm learning about women who are in the industry or people who are doing different things in my industry uh, i try and learn from the internet but the internet always gives you a positive rosy picture of hey you know you can make six figures in 3 months uh, and honestly i've been in the industry for about 6 years and i don't think that's the case you know it takes a lot of time a lot of hard work and that's something that the internet just wants to put forward there so what's that one thing about starting a d2c brand uh that the internet does not talk about but because you have that experience you know even at home like you mentioned that you, even your husband is into the similar industry like in, into d2c uh what is it that you felt that needs to be conveyed and a person who's just starting out now considering the change in market shifts right may a change in purchase behavior should know of the internet always talks about exaggerated figures in terms of roi as you very rightly mentioned manchika um any time you just hop on to any um, search engine to try to understand a course uh, there there's just hundreds of people out there who want to sell their course and the kind of rois they're going to propose to you will be so different from what the real picture is and then there there are hundreds of hundreds of agencies who come and try to approach you and to be honest for an entrepreneur it's not possible to you know be running the marketing ads and doing the branding and trying to have, you know kind of manage a big team and doing all the product development thing and taking the strategic decisions and i mean it's not really possible for everyone to be doing that but i think that we've got to learn it on our own because whatever the internet is going to tell you is going to be a big fat lie i mean in terms of the roi so a lot of people i think read on the internet that if you put in maybe like uh, x amount of money in any sort of ads is going to give you like a 10x uh, that could be google ads or that could be anything i mean uh, but that's that that's not how it works and once you actually put put in your money in there you see that there are so many other things that the internet would suddenly give you that oh see this didn't work because you are in a very competitive industry i mean all the industries are really really competitive nowadays and if it if this would not be competitive then why would i you know spend my money on the ads so you have to know uh, you cannot really trust the internet for the kind of hacks it gives you uh, for selling your product you have to find that or figure that out for your own self you have to have an expert on the team Mm-hmm. or you to have a person who you are sure uh, has worked in a similar agency so you can hire somebody who has worked in a similar industry because 
industry experience really makes a lot of difference. So when we run ads, our ads are pretty expensive in comparison to people who are running ads for other industries. My CPC, that is the cost per click, cost me somewhere close to 17 bucks. Now when I, when I tell it to a, to, a, to a peer who's probably selling uh, maybe some garment, he or she would kind of burst laughing uh, hearing the CPC and they just don't believe how are we sub- surviving CPCs close to 17 bucks. So so this, so I, I hope you understand CPC anyone, anytime uh, clicks on my ad, it costs me 17 bucks. He or she mm-hmm. may not be buying anything, but I, I, I get pay, I have to pay 17 bucks for that. So, so you have to have uh, experts on your team. I mean, you just can't can't imagine that oh I, I'm going to join this course the internet gives me so many options and I'm going to be a wizard so that's not how it works I think ROIs are extremely exaggerated they are very very exaggerated okay so slowly wrapping up uh, what is that one marketing strategy that you would recommend to a beauty cosmetics or a wellness brand as in your experience and what is that one strategy that is overly hyped on the internet but isn't quite as effective for someone who's just starting out. So I will start with the second part first. I found giveaways, these online giveaways and all extremely overhyped because I do, I've tried that too, but it, it never worked for me. So all the people who are participating in all these giveaways are actually kind of maybe, you know, just waiting for you to put up something. Or they're, they're not real consumers. So if there's anybody who actually has a concern and wants to buy, would not really wait for a giveaway for you to be, you know, announcing or something. So these giveaways and some these kind of collaborations are extremely, extremely overhyped. A lot of celebrity um, tie-ups are also sometimes extremely overhyped because we've done some celebrity tie-ups as well. And when they give you like a, a, a snapping story, which kind of just gets over in like maybe 15 seconds, there's no recall because these kind of people are putting such stories out there every day. And in fact, multiple stories. So I would say in fact, uh, instead uh, invest that money into something which stays you for longer. You can go for an influencer who doesn't charge as much, but kind of gives you repeat um, uh, recalls. So that would work better, I feel. And um, I think one good marketing strategy, I mean, it's, it's like the very concept of any brand is stay true to what uh, you know you're offering don't over promise i mean i have seen people writing scripts like this will make your acne go away in like seven days and 14 days i mean uh, we don't do that we don't believe in that i i would suggest everyone because what we feel is that when we uh, when we show that before and after picture to the consumer when we show that rosy picture the consumer will be fooled but instead people are really um embracing the uh, the reality if you say on the internet you would not really see the absolute perfect models i mean people are people are embracing all sorts of shapes and colors because that is what real people are about i mean they have flaws and people like that people like to see somebody who emotes who they are to you know i mean i mean they relate with that person more so just be true to your your marketing true to what you're offering so all marketing direction has to be around what you are and what you're offering. So I, I, I would say that what promising doesn't help. Got it. So my last question to you is uh, something more around entrepreneurship. And uh, it's not exactly just D to C, but I believe applicable across practically every industry is that growth isn't quite linear, right? So you're never going to see a straight graph going right up you know there are going to be days when there's a massive dip and you're practically doubting your own passion you don't know whether you should keep going or should you pivot right what is it that keeps you going and what is it that you think is in your head is that breaking point where you know that hey this needs to change here on or this is where I need to show consistency uh so um this is such a beautiful question because uh actually i've gone through it all and you know uh there have been days i've really felt like uh everything was just falling all over the place and there were days i just thought that i will hit the bullseye and uh with marketing with internet you actually can't even understand what suddenly went wrong which day i mean you get a lot of analysis and there's a lot of report and there's a lot of data and metadata that you get from n number of places but if all these things remain constant also, one day suddenly you see a dip in the sales. 
and then you suddenly want to shut down all the ads because you feel like you're bleeding a lot of money so my advice to anyone out there would be that uh, you've got to create for your brand so you you should be able to judge the data on the basis of a period and on not on the basis of a single day what we try to do at go is that we always try to see trend uh, week wise so we always try to see uh how we are going uh, you know for the last 7 days so if in the last 7 days we feel that we have not uh, achieved what we were thinking segregation we would do. so always look period and don't very impulsive with uh, your goal. right there's the pantons some people tell us that with the online booming uh, and uh, sometimes there's a pandemic it could be possible that people are in such a bad mood and they're so low that probably they don't they just don't want to buy anything so uh, just believe in a period of time and not on the spur of the moment so it will be easier to make decisions and it will be very wise to make decisions uh, only the bears or try to you know run away uh, seeing the trends on the day daily basis i mean you make losses you make uh, profits that's a part of the business but you got to see your data periodically i feel mm-hmm. that's actually a very good tip uh, because i think that's something that i was taught by my mentor and he typically only said that hey if you are growing there are going to be months where you're also seeing dips or stagnation but that does not mean that it's not working so you need concrete data to back your decision of whether you're going to stick to it or you're going to change something and uh, in most cases i feel that either they stick to it too long too long and then they fail because they've burnt practically every resource available to them and in 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 the light of you know trying to follow their passion per se then there are other cases also where i see them give up too soon when they see the first first dip itself but i think that those are the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur in general i would say Yeah. So I think that's uh, that's all I had to ask of you today Mahima is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners I think you asked pretty much everything about it and uh, so nicely when avanchita i think we touched all the aspects of go and it kind of took me back on the journey of when we started and we, although we think that we're a young brand only it's only been one and a half years but uh but still yeah i mean you made me realize uh, all i mean you made me rem- remember all the highs and lows that uh, went through in this journey and it was really nice interacting with you yeah it was lovely talking to you as well thank you for joining content kettle today and that's it for today's episode of content kettle thanks for tuning in don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast for more such tips from the real doers